Hey friends, guess what? I've got a new book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide on March 8th called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. This book is based on something I call genealogical regressions because sometimes when I'm working with clients, I go into their past lives and I realize this is not the source event of the challenge. We need to send light and love to ancestors in order to make our lives the wonderful places that we want to be. So I hope you'll check out my new book and stay tuned for class announcements, book signings, and more as March gets closer. Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life coming March 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a special Memorial Day episode of the Healing Arts Podcast. I had the pleasure of meeting the wonderful Rabbi Wayne Dosick recently. He has a beautiful book called Radical Loving, One God, One World, One People. And he's just such a great person. This is such a wonderful message of hope that I believe we need. And it's a perfect time to to talk about something like this on Memorial Day when I know so many of us have our loved ones on our minds, those who we've loved and lost this year during COVID in particular. And of course, um, the military men and women who serve this country, we want to thank them. And I think it's a beautiful message for this moment in time. So this is a special episode. I hope you enjoy it. Um, Let's love each other. I know we can do it. And Rabbi Dasik has a very um, optimistic view of humanity that I think is beautiful and refreshing. And I hope that you'll love our talk. Hey, my dear friends, and welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So I have got a fabulous guest today. We've got Rabbi Wayne Dosick, and I've got to read you his bio. Rabbi Dosick, PhD, is a spiritual guide who counsels about faith, ethical values, life transformations, and evolving human consciousness. He's the leader of the Elijah Minion, a retiring visiting professor at the University of San Diego and the host of the monthly online radio program, Spirit Talk Live. He's the author of nine critically acclaimed books, including the classic Living Judaism, and he lives in La Costa, California, and his new book is called One God, One World, One People, Radical Loving. Rabbi, welcome to Healing Arts. Thank you very much. And thank you for that kind introduction. As I always say, my late father would have been very proud and my late mother wouldn't have believed it. So thank you. That's very kind. 
Oh my gosh. I wanted to read, you've got a really amazing um, endorsement of the book that is so wonderful. I want to read it. Please. Thank you. Um, the endorsement says Rabbi Dossick joins the ranks of great thinkers and feelers who with the audacity of radical chutzpah, chutzpah. offers a recipe <laughs> for fixing the world. Oh, do I need to say chutzpah? Chutzpah is one of those Hanukkah words. Ah, okay. <laughs> Our fractured, coarsened, and depleted planet is in desperate need of unification and relief that can only come from reclaimed love, a fusion of theology, manifesto, and spiritual memoir. This is a book that may change minds and will most certainly touch the heart. And that is from Thane Rosenbaum, who is a distinguished law professor. I thought he said it so well. Your book is beautiful. It is Thank incredibly you. timely. And we're so happy to have you here. Could you tell us? Thank you. First about of all, a shout out, a shout out to Thane, who is a novelist as well as a distinguished law professor. And two of his uh, books, Golems of Gotham and Secondhand Smoke, are two of my favorite books in the whole world. Oh so if uh, if uh, people want a great novel, these both revolve around the the, the Holocaust, but they're, he's a magnificent writer. Thane Rosenbaum's Golems of Gotham and Secondhand Smoke. Oh, wow. I went to Prague and mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. visited the tomb of Rabbi Lowe. That was many mm -hmm. years ago. That was very right. interesting. Yes. So yeah, I'm interested in that. I know the listeners will be as well. So you are multi-published. And again, as he said, you've had this calling to write this book right now. What um, brought this about, let's say? Tell us how this book came about. Well, I took one look at this world <laughs> and uh, how bewildering and how painful it is with the uh, racism and discrimination and xenophobia and uh, white supremacy and Islamophobia and anti-Semitism and uh, misogyny and the demonizing of the other, which mm -hmm. became the political tone of the last number of years in America. And I said, we have to do better than this because the world has become a really a tiny village and uh, we have to learn to live together lest we perish together to say nothing of what we are doing to this beloved planet on which we live in terms of survival mm -hmm. at all. And so this is, this is the world that I saw and I said, we can do better and we have to do better. And here I'm going to offer a formula, a blueprint for transforming the world with radical transformation, unconditional transformation through radical loving and awesome holiness. That is amazing. So at the beginning of the book, toward the beginning, you mentioned the fact that in order to begin with this radical loving and awesome holiness, we have to name it and we have to acknowledge it. So what is it that we need to be naming so that we can move forward from there? We have to acknowledge uh, the great differences that seem to be between us but are not so it seems to me the theme song of the world these days is my god's better than your god mm -hmm. and my god loves me more and my god has given me a better scripture than yours and my god has given me better ways to celebrate than yours and the reality is it's absolutely impossible because there's only one god 
There's one God, and we are all God's children. God loves us all as a loving parent and doesn't play favorites. So God basically says to us, look, yes, I gave you one scripture, and I gave you another scripture, and I gave you a third, but it's not because it's better or superior. It's because human consciousness has evolved, and there's new revelation for a new time. And so one builds on the other. And the teachers belong to not one religion or one faith community. They belong to the whole world. Because wisdom, spiritual wisdom, is universal and for all time and for all people. And so we have divided into these, these little divisions. Religion is, is only a pathway from God to God. And we can build different pathways because each of us is a unique human being and our communities are different communities. And so some walk the pathways in silence and some walk in great dancing and joy and some walk on wide paths and some walk on narrow paths. But it's all the same begin the genesis and the same destination from God to God. And so when we learn that, when we learn that we are all children of the one God, and we are, and, and even though we call God by different names, you know, because in one family, somebody may say daddy or pops or father or mommy or mama or mother, it's all the same parent. We all have the same parent who loves us equally, doesn't play favorites and says to us, my children, I love you. I created you because I love you. I hope you will love me. And most of all, I hope you will learn to love each other. Absolutely. So how can people begin the journey of opening themselves up to this radical loving? Well, it seems difficult, but, you know, it really isn't. It really isn't. Um, we need to be able to see the face of God in each and every human being. Because we are each a child of God. And if we look in the mirror and see our own faces, we also see the face of God. If I look at you, I look at your face and I see the face of God. And the only response to seeing the face of God, the only possible response is love, compassion, kindness, decency, dignity, goodness, righteousness. And so when we take a look at the, well, let's say the the teller at the bank who's working so slowly and we have to stand in a long line and we could be fuming or the kid in the convenience store who can't make change for a dollar bill without using a calculator. And we say, ah, oh, this, well, this person's ruining my life. No, 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 no. That's a child of God. And we have to be open to that, to that godness in every being. We just have God is everywhere. God's everywhere. God's in you and in me and in this desk and in every, uh, every place and every being. We just have to be constantly aware. That's our job, to be constantly aware of the godness of everything. And then, and then we serve our fellow human beings by making the life of another as precious to us as our own. And my formula for that is F-A-N-A-M-I. Find a need and meet it. So I'll tell you a story. So way back in 1996, seems like yesterday, but it's a long time ago now, uh, our house burned down to the ground 
in a Southern California wildfire. So we lost our house, our home, and everything in it. We had nothing. And a man came to me, one of the sweetest, kindest, gentlest, and wealthiest man I knew. And he said to me, Rabbi, I feel so terrible for you. What's mine is yours. Anything you want, just ask me. Oh. So what am I supposed to do? I mean, what a, what, a, what a thing. What a nice thing. What am I supposed to do? Say, buy me dinner, buy me a suit, build me a house. What am I supposed to say? So we say that to people a lot. Somebody, God forbid, dies. And we say, if you need me, call. Any, anytime you need, anything you need, just let me know. Well, how about F-A-N-A-M-I? Find a need and meet it. So God forbid somebody dies. And you say, I understand uh, that your Uncle Charlie is coming in from the funeral for the funeral. Please uh, let me know his uh, plane and I'll go down to the airport and pick him up. Or if your good suit is still at the cleaners, give me the, uh, the, the tag and I'll go pick it up at the cleaners for you. Or don't worry about the kids tonight. I'll take them out for pizza and a movie. That's a finding a need and meeting it. And we can do that in a whole wide variety of things. And if you want, I'll tell you a story about how my then five-year-old, who's close to well, going on 50 or so, uh, taught me this lesson. Yes. Want to hear this story? Yes. So we here it goes. Love it. So when the kids were little, mm -hmm. we tried to translate into modernity a ancient teaching. It said of this ancient sage that every time he went to the market, if he needed one piece of meat, he would buy two. If he needed one bunch of vegetables, he would buy two. One for himself and one for the hungry in his neighborhood. So we translate this into modern times by saying, every time we went to the grocery store, we would buy one more item of perish non-perishable food. A box of mac and cheese, a box of cereal, a can, a can of tuna fish, a jar of peanut butter. Wouldn't even take it into the house, just leave it in the, in the grocery sack in the, in the car, in the trunk. And when we filled up a, a few bags, we would take it to the local uh, food pantry. So I'm in the store one day with my then almost, I don't know, five, six-year-old. And I take a box of Cheerios off the shelf. And I say to him, honey, how about this as our food gift this week? And this little precocious five-year-old grabbed it out of my hands, put it back on a shelf, stood on his little tiptoes, reached up and grabbed a different box of cereal and said, this will be our food gift this week. And I said to him, honey, what's the difference? He said, look, dad, there are hungry kids out there too. And kids like sugar frosted flakes better than we like Cheerios. <laughs> oh, in an so instant, cute. in an instant, that kid said, taught me to see not a category of people, the hungry, the poor, the homeless, the needy. But he taught me to see the face of a child whom we might be helping to, to feed who likes one kind of cereal better than another kind of cereal. And so, you know, when we give away, you go through your closet and you give away an old pair of pants, an old shirt, a blouse, a skirt, um, because they're out of fashion, or in my case, they don't fit quite as well anymore. And, you know, if you give away a pair of pants, the person who receives it probably also needs a pair of socks. Right. But nobody ever thinks to give away a pair of socks. So you, you don't want to give away your old socks? So go to the store and buy a couple pair of socks or a six-pack for a few bucks and give them uh, to the to the uh, homeless shelter. Um, give away, uh, if you're packing up a Thanksgiving dinner, 
as we always, you know, we people do turkey, yams, uh, stuffing. Add in uh, a bag of colorful jelly beans or a nicely decorated cake or a bottle of sparkling apple cider. Because if somebody needs a turkey, he deserves a, he, she deserves a, uh, a festive occasion as well. Absolutely. Uh, give away the things that you and I take for granted. Uh, a tube of toothpaste, a bottle of shampoo, a uh, bar of soap, feminine hygiene supplies. Because if you don't have a pair of pants, you might not like, likely have a, a, a bottle of shampoo either. And when you go to a hotel, they don't expect you to steal the towels. So you have to leave the towels there. But they do expect you to take those little bottles of shampoo and conditioner and those little bars of soap, collect them, take them to the homeless shelter too. Yes. Because while you and I are using our fancy uh, shampoos, and I don't need it too much anymore, but uh, while you and I are using our fancy shampoos, that little bottle that we say, huh, you know, I wouldn't use that. That's two or three head washes, shampoo washes for somebody who doesn't have any shampoo. So find a need and meet it. Meet your fellow human being where he or she is at, which is in the face, in the presence, in the here-ness of God. You make a really good point on that because there is a lot of lip service like, we're, oh, okay, well, yeah, let me know what you need. But like you said, we, if we're not getting specific with people, a lot of people won't even ask for help. That's right. And so, like you said, finding the need, offering to do something specific, like taking care of the kids uh, is a beautiful thing to do. And what your um, little five or six-year-old did, that is so sweet. Because you're right, we do tend to see this as a faceless community. Right. And we really do need to get more personalized with that. Right. That's, right. that's a great point. And so once we move into this idea of serving others in a way that actually is specific and meaningful to them, then how can we embrace this concept of awesome holiness that you're talking about in the book? Well, we, then, then we move beyond that, knowing that we are all children of God, then we begin to break down the differences between us. To understand that Jews can learn from the New Testament, just as Christians can learn from the Hebrew Bible, what is called the Old Testament. And we all can learn from the Quran. And we certainly can all learn from the Eastern religions, which we don't yes. think about very often. And we can learn from the Native American tribal teachings. There's so much wisdom out there. We don't need to be narrow. Uh, and we can learn to accept and and embrace our fellow human beings. I grew up on the southeast side of Chicago, which was when my parents moved there in the late 40s, it was a Polish Catholic steelworkers neighborhood. Over the years, it became somewhat of a Jewish neighborhood, and then it became a black neighborhood. And in the beginning, I used to play with all the kids uh, on the playground. And then we went to public school and they went to the local uh, parish school, St. Mary Magdalene. By the time I was seven or eight, I was being beaten up on a regular basis by my former friends who had learned from their priests and nuns that I, Wayne Dosick, had personally killed their Lord. Mm. Now in high school, you know, we, we, I, I went to a high school that looked like a prison, one of those red brick buildings that had four or five floors or whatever, and we had four minutes to pass between classes. And in the middle of, of high school, some girl runs, comes running up to me in the hall and says, Wayne, Wayne, I forgive you. I forgive you. 
I couldn't remember what this girl might have to forgive me for. So I said, Bonnie, what is it? What is it? She said, I forgive you for killing Christ. I said, what are you talking about? That was 2,000 years ago. I didn't know him. He was a nice Jewish boy. And besides that, I didn't kill him, nor did the Jews. It was the Romans. No, 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 she said. I just heard on the radio that the Pope said we could forgive the Jews for killing Christ. That was Vatican II and Pope John Twenty-Third, that twinkle-eyed Pope. We fast forward a, a few decades, and I am a rabbi on the faculty of a private liberal arts Catholic diocesan university, teaching the only courses in Jewish studies in the Department of Religion and Theology. And one of my closest and dearest friends in the entire world is a Jesuit priest. So Father O'Leary and I, he who had never met a Jew until he was 21 years old, and I, who had been beaten up by the Catholic kids and was now teaching at the Catholic University and preaching from the pulpit of the Immaculata. I was invited to preach from the pulpit of the Immaculata, standing next to a statue of Jesus. And we've come a very, very far away. So we're walking on campus one day. You know, we had lunch together. We talked. We uh, went to meetings. We went to classes. So this young man comes up to us and he says, Father, Rabbi, can I speak to you? Of course. He said, I want you to know that I came to this university, I was 18, 19 years old, I had never met a Jew. And actually, I had prejudice against Jews that I had learned from my small town community. And I see the two of you walking around campus all the time, and hanging out and going to meetings and teaching classes and eating in the deli. And if the two of you can be friends, then maybe I should go meet some Jewish kids. The two of you are a living sermon to me. Wow, what a nice compliment. But there it is. There it is. Two people, totally diverse backgrounds. A priest who had never met a Jew till he was 21 years old, and a rabbi who had been beaten up by the Catholic kids when he was seven, eight years old. There we are. And we become a paradigm of friendship and love. Now, Father O'Leary does not want me to be Catholic, and I don't want him to be Jewish. There are great and beautiful differences between us. And I go to Mass with him, and he comes to my high holiday services, and we appreciate the beauty of each other's worship and prayer and song and fellowship. We also appreciate our differences. But we know that there's much, much more that unites us as human beings and as children of the same one God than divides us. And that's the next step. The next step is to understand the humanity and the godness of each and every human being. Absolutely. That is a beautiful story. I, I've always seen people for you know beyond their religious beliefs. I mean, I grew up in a diverse community in New Mexico. Um, with all kinds of different cultures. And so I guess I've just never, I've just never understood how we can become so divided in this world right now. I was no child, no child is born a racist. No child is born to discriminate. No child is born to demonize the other. It is a taught and a learned experience. And if parents can teach racism and xenophobia and nationalism and superiority, parents can also teach unity 
and love and holiness. I'll tell you, you said New Mexico, it uh, triggered, I, I, have, I have composed, I didn't actually compose it, but one melody in my entire life was brought down to me when I was standing at the Kiva in Taos. Oh, yes. And I knew that when the sun set that night, it would be the first anniversary on the Hebrew calendar of the death of my father. What we call in Judaism, the yard site, the, the remembrance. And all of a sudden, this melody is coming down to me. Now, I can't go into the Kiva because I'm not of that faith. So there's a drum store very close. And I go in and I say to the proprietor, could I stand at the wall over there behind your counter so I can be as close to the Kiva as possible? He said, sure. So I put my head against the wall and I thought I was there for five or 10 minutes. I'm told by him and my wife, I was there for 45 minutes. Wow. And when I came out of whatever I was in, I had a melody. And we finally put words to that melody and it goes like this. Blessings and gratitude to you, oh God. Blessings and gratitude to you, oh God, now and forever to you, oh God, now and forever to you, oh God. So I took Hebrew words, put them into English, Hebrew words from the prayer book, put them into English, and this melody that feels to me very Native American, and there it is, there it is. So look at how we weave together Hebrew, English, Native American, because it's all the same. We're all one, one, one children of God, the same God. Absolutely. That is a beautiful song. It's a really spiritual place there in New Mexico. Very it interesting, is. as you know. So I love your song. It's fantastic. The theme song for this whole, um, this whole uh, book and now on the CD is one God, one world, one people, one God, one world, one people, one God, one world, one people, Eden on earth, one God, one world, one people, one God, one world, one people, one God, one world, one people, Eden on earth, one God, one God, one world, one world, one people united in love, one God, one world, one people united in love. One God, one world, one people. One God, one world, one people. One God, one world, one people. Eden on earth. Wow, I love it. Thank you. Fantastic. It's a Thank beautiful, you. beautiful book. Beautiful song. So tell me this about your time during the pandemic. It seems that as we've been locked up for a year, um, I thought there was a lot of, there's obviously a lot of tragedy, but there's a lot of good that came out of that in terms of slowing down. But it also seems that during this time, this is when a lot of this um, challenge in the world that you're describing in the book that we need to rectify kind of came bubbling up to the surface. Do you think that was because people were locked in their houses too long? Or what do you think we're going through as right now and why this is so critical right now that we actually not only hear what you're saying, but take your words and do something about this that's happening to our world. Well, you know, I wrote this book theoretically. I wrote it as a, as a, um, as a hope and maybe a promise 
uh, as aspirational. And then the pandemic came and everything I was writing about in this book hit a smack in the face. And here we had the choice of demanding our individual rights and freedoms or choosing the common good, the highest good, the greatest good. So I don't want to wear a mask because I have an individual right to not wear a mask or I'm going to wear a mask for sure to help the community avoid this, uh, this pandemic and, this, and getting sick. I demand that we reopen businesses. Well, yes, if your family needs the income from your barbershop or your pizza parlor or your hair salon, then absolutely, I understand. But if you demand that we open up so you can go to the beach and get a suntan or go to a bar and go dancing, that's something else. So here we had the, the didactic tension between my individual rights and the good of the community. And that's what we've been talking about here. Right. You know, America was founded as this, the idea for this melting pot that we would take people and their richness from all over their ethnicity and their culture and their social mores and their religions and, and everything and make one great melting pot of it. And that was to be a, a strong, strong tapestry of America. And what happened these days, that strong tapestry has turned into a frayed patchwork quilt of special interests. Me, 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 my needs, my desires, or not me, not me. I'm not responsible. Don't blame me. I'm just the poor victim. Well, there's the balance. The balance is, do we become a place that breaks apart because of individual needs? Or do we become a place that gets stronger and stronger because we weave together the common good, the highest good, the greatest good? Yeah, you bring up a good point because the thing that's been so wonderful about the United States this whole time is the fact that we are from different places. Everyone came here from somewhere else and we all brought our cultures, we brought our different ways of life. And that's what makes it so interesting and wonderful. And it is um, a very wonderful aspiration to hope that we can get back to this oneness that you're talking about in the book. I certainly hope that we can. Where else, where else in the world, uh, not to the, uh, a few more places, but where else can you say to yourself or your uh, spouse or your partner or your friend, well, where should we go for dinner tonight? We could go Italian, we could go French, we could go Mexican, we could go Thai, we could go Jewish deli, we could go uh, Polish, we could, go, I mean, it's all here. It's all here. Right. Now, now with these strip shopping centers and great big malls, it may be a little different, but in Chicago where I grew up, there were the ethnic neighborhoods. You wanted really Italian food, you went to Little Italy. You wanted real Greek food, you went to Greek town. You wanted the Jewish deli, you went to Skokie. I mean, there was there were the, the ethnicities that we celebrated. It was wonderful. Now, yeah, that's what makes it interesting. Now it's sort of become um, white bread. And uh, we, don't, we don't know what we're putting on the white bread anymore. Not that there's anything wrong with white bread because it 
grows bones and teeth or whatever it was that, that Wonder Bread is. But um, yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's an amazing an amazing place to live in this world. If only if only we follow the American um, the logo as a motto out of many one e pluribus unum. Absolutely. Rabbi, it has been a complete joy to have you on the show today. Friends, Radical Loving, this is a beautiful book. We need this right now, I'm telling you. And we need to listen to these words of wisdom and follow the rabbi's advice as we move towards oneness and wholeness and radical loving. Thank you. And I would tell you that if you want to hear more of those chants, because there are 21, you can go to the um, website, which is RadicalLovingBook.com, RadicalLovingBook.com, and, and there you can listen to four or five of the chants, as we used to say on the old South Side of Chicago, free for nothing, and if you want, you can buy a download or a hard copy CD. I know it's just old people who use CDs these days, but they're there, available, and much more information about the book, RadicalLovingBook.com. All right, RadicalLovingBook.com. I still listen to CDs. Thank you very All much. Right. So, yeah, I like them. Um, Rabbi, it's a joy to have you on the program. We're just sending you tons of love and blessings on your mission, your work. Continue on and um, very, very wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. Hey friends, I want you to check out my Past Life Lady YouTube channel that has tons of free videos that teach you how to do all kinds of things from energy healing, gem and mineral healing. I've got guided imagery up there for you. So check it out. Just go over to YouTube and type the words Past Life Lady in the search bar and hit subscribe. And I'll look forward to welcoming you over to my channel today. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. So happy Memorial Day Monday, my dear. I hope that you've had a beautiful weekend. I hope it's been fun and you've had a chance to do some radical loving with your friends and family this weekend. And I know it's been a really difficult year. I remember last year, this time, I was doing a talk about my book, Past Lives with Pets, and we did a pet memorial for all of our little lovely fur balls that we loved and lost that video is out on my YouTube channel if you want to go check that out. But of course, this year now with everything that's gone on this whole year, I don't think at this time last year, I don't know about you, but I didn't have any clue that we were just now, a year later, going to be getting ready to get back together again. I mean, this has been unbelievable. And we've lost, you know, millions of people around the world and we still have parts of this planet that are really, really struggling, not only with the virus, but just with different things. So 
prayers, prayers, prayers to all. And I'm just sending all of our best wishes to everyone. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And just know that I'm always thinking about you, sending you lots of loves and prayers, loves and prayers. Hmm. Yes, they're plural now. You didn't realize that, but yes, they are. <laughs> All right. So we've got some exciting guests coming up on Healing Arts. And so I can't wait to see you again. Thank you for listening to the show. Have a beautiful day and take care of yourself. Namaste. Hi, friends. Dr. Shelley here. Guess what? You're not going to believe this. I have another book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide. It will be out on December 8th, and it's called Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories. So earlier in the 2000s, I wrote a book series, which I have discussed on the Healing Arts Podcast, about a phenomenon I call Supretravi, Spontaneous Past Life Memories. This is when we're trying to mind our own business And yet we're hit with this picture, thought, or feeling about something that happened to us in the past. This was happening to me all the time while I was traveling to other places. And what I found through my research is that I truly believe this happens to every single person alive. The book has some incredible endorsements from people like Coast to Coast's George Norrie and others. And it would mean the world to me if you will go out and pre-order my book so that you can have it before the holidays when it comes out on December 8th. So check out Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories, now available in pre-order on Amazon.com. And thank you so much for your support. Namaste.